If you play it only one way, then you might be playing it wrong. Go ahead, mix it up. Welcome to Play It Wrong. Podcast about RPGs, fun, food, more RPGs. Grab your dice, sit back, and get ready to play it wrong. Oh, and that's what this episode's about. It's about mixing things up. First, let's hit some stuff that's, well, you know, in the news. Well, I'm not going to do the bumper for that. But hey, guess what? My old school essentials. Well, as of this morning, it is now at JFK Airport on its way here. Yippee, can't wait to get that one in my hands. So what else is going around the old homestead? Did a little home repair. Yay. That's fun. I love painting and shit. No, I don't. I don't love that shit. And let's see, I actually had to spatchcock a turkey today. Look it up. Google spatchcocking. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving this week, so things are really, really going to be hectic. It's going to be hectic for the rest of the year for like, well, for most folks. So I'll do my best to get episodes out and blog posts up. So what are we going to come up with next? Well, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to do... Session Summary. Yes, since things were so busy last week, I missed last week's episode, so I got two weeks of gaming to get you guys caught up on. Let's start with the Labyrinth Lore game from two weeks ago. Oh, that was a bloody mess. It was an ear TPK. Yes, some little demons just, like, snuck up on the party and tore them up. It was a lot of good luck on the GM's part. I rolled about five crits, and I'm doing double damage for crits. That took down the Cleric. And, well, the Assassin Magic user. That was House Ruled in. That was, could be Assassin Magic user and Labyrinth Lord. Both those dropped dead. <coughs> Let's see. The Dragon Player character from the Class Compendium. He went down, and the Gnome Barbarian drug his unconscious body out of the room, running away. And the Dragon finally admitted that now it's not a... You know, he realized the importance of being sort of the pack mule of the group carrying the Bag of Holding. Because, well... That meant his body was very valuable, or, well, the gnome probably wouldn't have drug it out if he didn't have everything on him. Ah, well. So now we got half the party rolling up new characters. Our paladin care player did not make it with a new character. So we're also down a, down one person. So there's going to be three new player characters next time. That's going to be, well, no game this week for Thanksgiving. So next week is Star Wars, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. And then the week after that is going to be Labyrinth Lord. And I'm estimating sometime at the end, after the uh, beginning of the New Year's when that Blight campaign for Swords and Wizardry is going to start. That is, unless the players scream a lot and I end up doing 5e. But I'm kind of really looking forward to Swords and Wizardry. Because, hey, they've got that cool Kickstarter coming up next year. And, well, I just need more Swords and Wizardry in my life. And that, dear listeners, is what's been up in gaming so far this week. Or, well, sorry, last two weeks, anyway. Not there won't be any session summary next week, because, well, we won't be gaming next week. Anyway, let's get on to the meat of this episode. And that is the case for shorter campaigns. I know many people run campaigns that last for years. You get high-level characters and everything else, and it's fun. It's fun in its own way. But I've grown to like the shorter campaigns better. You know, maybe 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, you know, probably about as high as you go. Maybe, you know, 6, 7 months at the very longest. My reasons for this are a couple. First, as a GM, I kind of get bored with the setting. A new shiny comes along and I get excited about that. Plus, as a player, 
while I'm used to the character, there's so and this is a GM too. There's so many other games I want to play and campaigns I want to run. I've got campaigns that I've got ideas for that have been in the hopper for years that I haven't quite done yet. Uh, the prime one would be my Pirates versus Cthulhu, digging out my old Savage Worlds and Pirates of the Spanish Main and Realms of Cthulhu and Tales of Solomon Kane and kid bashing those three together and I think that'd make an interesting campaign. Hmm. Yeah, but that's been that's been years since you know, I thought of that. I haven't gotten around to doing it yet because, well, other stuff pops up. Now, there's more reasons to go for the shorter campaigns. One, you know, my, my previous gaming group had a problem that was unlike a lot of folks. We actually had a line of people waiting to GM. You know, a lot of groups are like, eh, nobody wants to Game Master. Everybody wants to play. This one, we had a long line. So, as a shorter group, you can switch up Game Masters. And it avoids Game Master burnout, too. Because after a while, you get kind of tired of running. and especially, you, know, you just get tired of it. And in my opinion, I think that's uh, one of the best ways to avoid GM burnout is to switch up games. Because, you know, switch up games, switch up genres. Because it becomes new again, not the, okay, well, we're still going to be on the same old campaign again. Because, uh, you know, at least at least on the current Labyrinth Lord campaign, for example, a lot of times I don't plot the middle. Sometimes I'll plot the beginning and the end. So in this one, my plot was simple. Start off with Keep on the Borderlands. They're going to end in Tomb of Horrors. Um, or there's a story arc, which I really haven't done a lot. It's just, you know, we kind of get, you know, the group as a whole gets tired of it. And I know this is a ramble cast because, well, it's been that kind of week, and it's going to be that kind of week until the end of the year. So forgive me, please. So, dear listeners, let me know. Drop me an email at magicbigmedia at or leave a message here on Anchor. Or just hit up that contact form on the blog, theymightbegazebos.blog, and uh, let me know what you think. Long campaigns, short campaigns. For me, I think the shorter ones, they, they work out better. They're still fun. You can go back again. Actually, you know, it'd be fun to go back, fifth or, you know, get 5th or 7th level, play another game, go back, start off at 7th level, keep going, you know? Keeps things fresh, keeps things interesting. Avoids you getting into routine, avoids players getting into routine. Or you know, the crazy things of play the descendants of your high level higher level characters. Do that. Who knows? Just have fun. Do it your way. Yes, do it your way. Play your way. That's what that's that's the whole whole meat of it of everything. That's the whole philosophy here at playing it wrong. Just play it your own damn way and don't worry about it. All right, uh, let's see, uh, D&D Boot Camp. We're going to skip that section this episode because um, I got nothing. So I'd rather not do anything than just put some crap out there, which I usually put crap out there anyway, but, you know, I'm not one of the cool kids, but, hey, I do my best. All right, so what are we going to do? Let's let's move on to... Tales of Ancient Forbidden Knowledge. And this, to just keep you up to date, is the part of the show where I start reading from original D&D and doing completely and totally spontaneous and improv thoughts about what I read. And to keep you up to date, we are still on Supplement 1, Greyhawk, and we've moved on to magic items. I know I do not sit here and read all the damn charts, but let's go through some of the descriptions and see what pops up and... What's really strange? 
or how many times it references go check chain mail. Oh boy, what do we got here? We have a sword plus two nine steps draining ability. I think that's the nine life drainer, but it's now nine steps. Um, slightly better than AA, which has 12 steps. Um, what appears to be plus two sword drains energy and progressive steps from one to nine on any hit of a 20. Thus, the first time hit, the sword will drain one level, next time two, and so on, until on the ninth 20, it will drain nine levels. It then becomes a plus two sword and can never be made anything else. That, instead of draining nine levels at a time, that gets really nasty fairly, well, not fairly quick, but more and more. Holy Sword plus five. As Holy Sword, this weapon will display its true worth only in the hands of a paladin. It's, you know, your original Holy Avenger. Will by a paladin negates all spells, including wands, staves, and the like, in a radius of one foot, thus making the paladin virtually magic-proof. Wow, that was overpowered. Um, yeah, it's pretty overpowered when you get the plus ten damage, but hey, 100% resistance to magic. That is pretty darn mean. Sword of Cold. Um, gets a bonus to anything with a fire. Does triple damage on a nat 20. Is able to spell a wand of fire and gives the user the same protection as a ring of fire protection. So, meh, meh. Dragon slaying. Okay, you have to type of dragon. And when you uh, hit a dragon, you do an additional 4 to 40. That would be 40 10 points of damage. And in old school, that's a buttload of freaking damage, folks. Plus one cursed. Um, basically, you're just going to go into fighting whatever you see above. Minus two cursed. So it's like this one, but you even suck at, at things better. The Dancing Sword is a truly marvelous, marvelous weapon, in case you want to know, because that's what it says in the book. Um, plus three. In addition, after being used in melee for three rounds, it will leave the hand and fight on its own. When the sword is so dancing, it cannot be hit, and it fights just as if the owner were wielding it. That's been a difference. You can't hit the dancing sword. Interesting. So, if you're a sixth-level fighter, it will fight as a sixth-level fighter. The sword will also dance for three more melee rounds, during which time its owner can employ some other weapon or possibly step out of combat. After each three rounds of dancing, it will return to its owner's hand for three rounds. So it, you three rounds, it goes away, you draw another weapon, you drop the weapon, rinse, watch, rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. I knew I could say that, sorry. You know, I thought this was going to be a long episode, but I think it's going to be a short one, guys. I don't know. All right, because I think I'm just going to do the do the weapons here. Um, now what do we got up next after the uh, <clears throat> dancing sword? We have the Sword of Sharpness. This is another Holy Sword. Bet you didn't remember that. The original Sword of Sharpness was a Holy Sword. And although it only has a plus one bonus to hit any attack employing it, which is 20%, I far better over the required number, or a 19 or 20 in any event, indicates that it has severed a limb or a neck. In case of multiple possibilities, assign probabilities and dice to see what the result is. Like the Holy Sword plus five, it performs this function as well as the function as the anti-magic only in the hands of the Paladin. Wow, they were really, really, really pushing the Paladin early on. The Vorpal Blade. The Vorpal Blade differs from the Sword of sh Sharpness in several ways. It's a plus two to hit. It only needs 10% over the required score to hit. Or an 18 through 20. It will always sever the neck. 
and it will perform in the hands of any level fighter, although it requires a paladin in order to act in its anti-magic capacity. Yeah, that's definite silence here because I'm just thinking of what they gave the paladin in Greyhawk with the, here's a cool sword, oh, and it makes you immune to magic. But on the dark, on the other side, it makes you immune to beneficial magic too. It's a one-inch radius, so the wizard or the cleric really can't stand next to you. <coughs> but, yeah, that's just really freaking insane. And sorry I coughed there. Wow. Okay. All right, let's do armor, too. All right. It's a short episode. And I, I love you guys, okay? So I'm going to do armor for you. Armor and shield, plus four. It's just plus four. Plus five, it's the same thing. Then we got shield of missile attraction. Missiles find you very attractive. No, they don't. They just hit you easier. Um, what else? Armor of vulnerability. It seems genuine magical armor, but it actually has a penalty. And armor of etherealness. I always say that word wrong. Etherealness? Etherealness. The most magic of all forms of armor. This suit of plate allows the wearer to take either of two options. You can wear it normally as plus three, or you can decide to become ethereal. In the latter case, he can move through solid objects and is subject to attack only by those creatures which are able to also be um, out of phase. And spells such as phase door will negate the etherealness of the armor. Attacks, while ethereal, are not possible. The armor can be made ethereal a total of 49 times and it becomes merely plus three armor after that. Damn, it's just plus three armor. It can never be recharged or restored. Those are the new armor types that are in Greyhawk. I'm I'm still like aghast on those swords of what they do for a freaking paladin. They're really, really pushing that paladin. So, hey, wow. It was a new class in here, too. So that maybe that's why they were like treating them so nice. And with that, I think we'll save more reading from Greyhawk till next episode. Now, I know the holidays are going to be a busy time for everybody, and I think I've mentioned on the blog that my work is also going to be crazy for the next couple months, but I'll do my best to get things out, keep in touch, and just be a wonderful person. And to each and every one of you, in case I don't have a chance, hey, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, whatever you don't celebrate, I don't care, make up whatever you want, uh, celebrate Festivus, I don't give a damn. So, with that, I will say to you... Go ahead, please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. Find us on Facebook. Just look for They Might Be Gazebos. Hey, you like the blog? You like the podcast? Hey, go ahead. Visit us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash They Might Be Gazebos. And of course, finally, if you're listening here on Anchor, yes, we have sponsorships for as little as a dollar a month on Anchor. You can, like, help support the podcast and in turn, it'll support the blog too. So. But hey, thank you very much for listening. Roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, have fun. And really, folks, have fun out there. That's the most important thing. Stay safe. Stay frosty. Thanks for listening.